Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Listen, you smell something? Hello and welcome to the Mighty Motion Picture Rangers. I'm Shane. I'm Josh. And I'm John Star. We are filmmakers, we're fans, and for fuck's sake, can filmmakers and actors stop sexually assaulting people? Because I'm sick of having my heroes dashed on a weekly basis now. They Somehow just how I feel this title isn't to do with our episode. Well, <laughs> exploitation, assault, it, it, it's... You're it's ruining B-movies for me, man. B-movies. Well, I want to watch a movie about... all your faith in B-movies only. That's where the true heroes lie. I feel like, I feel yeah. like as far as sexual assault goes, there was probably a lot of that going on in the making of probably. a lot of B-movies. Actually, yeah. Yeah. Especially in like the 60s I mean, and the 70s. Exploitation guys, as well. Have any of you guys seen uh, Frog, uh, Hell Comes to Frogtown? No. no. The main character in Hell Comes to Frogtown is a rapist. Mm-hmm. He's our hero. B movies. Yeah. Roddy Piper. Yeah, Roddy Roddy Piper. Uh, oh my god. Anyway, so that's what we're talking about this week. We are talking about B movies, and we have a very special guest. We have Mr. Tim Burns. Say hello, hello. Tim. Hello, Tim. Oh, hi, class. <laughs> this is the class. Uh, we, we are going to educate. No, oh no, you're the yeah, teacher. You're going to educate us. I'm the teacher. Oh god, this is going to go wrong. Uh, tell us a bit I about. I feel like just... Welcome Back, Cotter. What, what? You don't know Welcome Back, Cotter? I do not. It's John Travolta's um, debut. It's um. It's a sitcom that was in the 70s. Welcome the back, Cotter. Yeah. Okay. I only know Classic. about it because it's... Bad. Oh, it's great. Great bad or great good? Uh, bad now, but it's it's great. I love it. <laughs> okay. okay. That, that, kind of that sort very, of answers the question. The pilot has the immortal phrase, up your nose with a rubber hose. <laughs> ah, that is gorgeous. Uttered by John Travolta. That's his introduction to us. John Tra- Oh, my God. Well, Beautiful. tell us a bit about yourself, Tim. Oh, me. <laughs> well... Can I just talk about Welcome Back, Cotter? Oh, no, no. So you're, you're, you're a film critic. You're our first film critic, I think. Oh, sh- the first I mean, we're one. all film, film critics to some extent, but you, you're the only person who's published. Yeah. <laughs> you, you get paid to critique film, whereas we pay to critique film. I mean, you're the only one who heard the Jurassic Park trailer on the phone, so come on. Yeah, I... I, I you, got to talk, was, you got to talk to J.A. Bayona about a trailer you hadn't seen. That you, was really weird. <laughs> well, it was like... Um, so I think the day before... I got a call from Universal and they mm. said, so, um, so you're going to talk to J.A. tomorrow about the trailer. I was like, oh, okay, cool. But uh, we don't have the trailer yet. So, huh. <laughs> so what's going to happen is someone's going to call from America and describe the trailer down the phone. <laughs> <laughs> So that's what I had to go off when I interviewed J.A. Did it go well? I haven't, have you, have you published? Uh, uh, it's published. published. It's, was it's it, in, is it in paper or did you, did you do audio interview? Uh, it was an audio interview. Oh my God. So I got to actually talk to the guy. Um, yes. It was like, I think I was given, ten, um, told it was 10 minutes, but 
It was only five. Oh. It ended up being because it was. Oh, a- that's that's helpful because whenever I hear about that, it's like uh, with Mel Brooks. Whenever you call Mel Brooks, it's like, oh, you got ten minutes, and he'll talk for an hour. Yeah, it, the first Mel was like, you got ten it. minutes. It goes for five. It's really weird. <laughs> Did no they cut seen, you short, or was just oh, you they con- cut me short? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, like when they had the final question, I was like, oh no, I'm not prepared for this. <laughs> was five minutes just them describing the trailer? Uh, Chris Pratt no, looks intense. No, they called me. I had to do it at night. I was originally going to go see a, a rapper that night, but I had to cancel to talk to J.A., which was all right with me, really. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, they um, called me that morning because I think J.A. was in London. So all these different time zones, I had to be awake at all these different times. <laughs> My sleep schedule was just fucked after did that. The, did the person describe it really badly to you? Yeah, well, they didn't did tell go? me Joy F. Goldblum was in the trailer. I didn't find out until um, the thing was published. That like, and uh, the key. That's thing. like the, that was the pretty, key. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty good thing. I've, I refuse to watch straight because I'm really keen on the. I'm actually really keen on that movie. I hated Jurassic World. Yeah. Oh really? I, yeah. No, I, I. The first time I saw it, I thought I had fun, and then I was realized it the shoes. <laughs> No, 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 not even that. like I don't like. I mean, that's a, an annoying point, but that's like if ah, that's point. the worst thing you saw in the movie, you did not watch the movie because it was just it was bad nostalgia porn, mm, and yeah. it just it was so lively and visually there was no moment that I remember other than that really cool image of her waving the the flare in front of the T Rex. That oh, was yeah. cool. That moment was cool, and I thought it was reasonably well earned. But any other plot or story, anything of Chris Pratt, and I don't mind Chris Pratt, just was. Thoroughly uninterested. He was drinking his Coke. This like that mm. product placement, right? There. Yeah, I was, re- and I was ready to not watch anymore because I was really annoyed. I was really annoyed that a lot of people really loved it and said it was the greatest thing they'd seen ever. Because I'm like, no, go back and watch Jurassic Park one, please. But when they announced J.A. Biona, I was like, oh fuck, okay, now I have to probably see it because I really like his work. I, I mm. quite love his work. I haven't seen the orphanage yet, but oh, that one's great. It's, that's it's the, on the list. That's the first one I saw, and I've seen um, uh, the, the Impossible. I haven't seen that one. That's the one that actually got him the the job that he told me. Was it? it really? Oh, uh, I was one? like, because I knew him from the orphanage and uh, what was the other film? Um, a monster call. A monster, a monster yeah. call. Yeah. Right, yeah. And uh, that's those are the ones that I knew him from. So I thought this is really weird that he got asked to do this. I mean, they are monster movies, but they're very whimsical. Well, not well, very he's known dark. For, but of, he's known for like they usually go for. I mean, Universal, especially. I mean, you look at uh, Colin Trevorrow who got the first one, and he got it based on safety not guaranteed. Yeah. Oh, is that which him? Is such yeah. an yeah, that was oh. him. I didn't like a lot. A lot of people like that movie, so I know I'm kind of in the minority. But I just didn't like that movie. And there's like a tiny smidge of sci-fi in that mm. movie, and he got Jurassic World based on that. Yeah. So, but you know, I love and Jay Abraham directed a couple episodes of. of Penny Dreadful, which I love oh, to piece as well. Okay. He directed okay. some really good episodes of that in season two, I think it was. Uh, the best season, I think. But yeah, no. Uh, and so what else about yourself, Tim? Oh, what else about me? So yes, I, I write a lot about film and everything and I also help co-run the uh, the show, Comedy, Comedy... I shouldn't be able to say this. <laughs> this is a real tongue twister. And I've got to say this like twice... Oh, Twice Once every, every two day. months. <laughs> it's um, comedy commentary cinema. I work with uh, Christian Fletcher, who's pretty much the king of B-movies no, in, in, Queen, yeah. in Brisbane, Queensland maybe. Oh, uh, we why didn't we get Fletcher him? Why have we got you for this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was wondering that too for ages. Sorry, that was my fault. I suggested him. I'll just take him out the back, shoot him. It's fine, guys. I'm sorry I did this to us. <laughs> <laughs> You're very violent. Yeah, I like... listened to a few of the past podcasts and Chancer is really violent throughout them. Is he? Yeah. How yeah. long have you known me, Tim? 
Well, yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah. Have yeah. you seen Chance's films? You know he's violent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know the commentary, comedy. Oh no, I comedy. I'm doing, yeah, comedy exactly. commentary Very cinema. Funny. I went. I went and saw it was uh, what, uh, Samurai Cop. Samurai Cop. Oh, yeah, Samurai Cop. Samurai Cop. That was so. I'd never seen that movie before, and it was really fun. So, so it's what, amazing. So what comedy commentary cinema does is you have you play the movie for an audience. And then you have these comedians stand up and just give a live, funny as fuck commentary on on the movie as it's playing. Basically, yes, I, I, you've summed it up. It's really. It's but a we really... always choose crappy movies. Well, trashy films usually. I'm waiting for like the Twelve Years a Slave comedy commentary. Oh, oh, oh man, you have to do that now. I I will pay. <laughs> I will pay a premium price for that version of comedy commentary cinema. Hooray, we'll get a profit. Oh, God. <laughs> well, anyway, before we get on to the main topic, we always start by asking the question, what have you been watching? And we we really... Well, we we, we don't need, always start with... We no, sometimes. We last two episodes, to. we... We're not great at it. Last one episode, because the, these are going to play out of order, so technically the next one where we stuff up will not... It'll be, oh, we it'll be after this future. one. It'll play after this one. the timeline, <laughs> time travel shit. But, um... I think I still think we need like a a, a, a a barbershop quartet doing the theme song. But anyway, we asked, what have you been watching? So who do we want to go first? Well, Josh, what have you been watching? Whoa, kind of on topic. I actually managed to watch Samurai Cop. Oh, <laughs> have you seen amazing, it before? Isn't it? Sorry? Um, it's amazing. Yeah. Have you I seen like, it before? I've seen it only in chunks and bit of pieces and like obviously through like Red Letter Media and their, and their interviews and stuff like that. So watching it for the first time, like full movie without any other like processing for it, I was just like, oh boy. Did you watch it alone? <laughs> no, I watched it with people. No, so, that's yeah. the best way to watch these yeah. kinds of movies. <laughs> so. See, you say that. I always watch them alone because <laughs> my wife doesn't want to watch them with me. See, I can't, no, I, try, the I try and watch them. I cannot watch bad movies alone. It's. I will talk about that later. But anyway, yes, anything else you watched? <laughs> no, that's it for this week. That's it for this it's week. It's worth it. I mean, I love that movie because it's about a guy that's bad at two different jobs. <laughs> <laughs> He's a terrible samurai and a terrible cop. Oh, my God. It's, I just remember seeing it at the comedy commentary scene and it's the scene in the hospital where she gets out of <laughs> yeah. the... The, the dude, bin. the big dude. Uh, the guy gets out of <laughs> the just bin. His wig, like his reshoot wig. Yeah. Like, oh. and, and actually, you know, the one thing that, uh, when I was watching, the underwear. What is with the underwear he wears? It's like a thong, but, but with more material. It, yeah. it sits mm. above the, like the, the it's, it's very 90s. I didn't know uh, men wore those jockeys sort of thing. I've they seen, didn't. Oh, they didn't. Okay, so this was the first time. I, like the, the, the director was a visionary. He was like, I mean, I he's a trendsetter. Ahead yeah. of happening. his time. <laughs> so ahead that it took him, oh, what, 20 years to get the sequel? Well, he's dead. He committed suicide like five movies, uh, five years after Samurai Cop. Are you Cop, serious? And uh, fans of Samurai Cop made the sequel. <laughs> Why Fun bring fact things of the down. day. That's okay. Well, Chanster, what have you been watching? What have I been watching? That is a good question. I realize I completely forgot to tell Tim that we do this at the beginning, but you've heard out. You've heard, heard, okay, yeah. so you'll know. You'll I'm know. one step ahead of you guys. Uh, honestly, with all the work I've been doing, I've been able to slip in a few uh, episodes of Parks and Rec this week. Oh, so that's nice. good. Have you watched it before? No, I haven't. Which so season I'm, do you want? Uh, I'm up to season two now. Okay. okay. Season one is the worst. Season one it is uh, awful. See, I wouldn't say it's awful, but I also hadn't seen any of the rest. I can say that season two is much better than season, season one. Season three is where they finally hit the groove, okay, I think. Cool. <laughs> but yeah, 
So I watch, I watch, I watch Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec. That's good. That's, that's a, all. That's a good thing. What about you, Tim? What have you been watching? Ah, uh, well, I've had a busy week with lots of lots of work, lots of talking to celebrities and such. <laughs> but, um, oh so, well, just name drop a few then. <laughs> you want me to name drop some? Do <laughs> yes. Like, do okay. Um, oh, it's mostly um, it's music festival season happening at the moment. Uh, yeah, so yeah. there's uh, lots of uh, triple Big J. Big in, in ecstasy sales. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no stereosonic, so not so much. <laughs> I feel like I feel like ecstasy is going to go around with the others. Oh, it definitely LSD, is. LSD. What's the uh, market? What's the good market that I should get in? <laughs> what's the good market? Yeah. How do Where I know I put my stocks, Tim? <laughs> do my I invest in, in heroin? LSD. Do I invest in LSD? Do I invest in ecstasy? I need well, to know. Well, I can tell you, LSD is perfect in October. Really? Oh yeah. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. Isn't okay. weed, weeds like weeds like the what do you? It's like the gold. It's like the one that's always a good investment, yeah. just year round. <laughs> but no. Um, but wait, what, wait. Oh yeah. So I've just been watching uh, mostly um, films that I don't know. That's nothing too too much to think about when you're watching it. So, um, well, I did begin the week with uh, what's it called? Black Dynamite. Oh, yeah. It's great. Classic. Love it. And then I did these awesome. uh, busy days, and I think I ended up watching Elf, which I'd never seen before. Actually, Elf I, or Alf? Elf with uh, Will Ferrell. Okay, uh, right. Yeah. Oh, I'd yeah. never seen it before for some reason, yeah. and so I've just figured, you know, today's right. <laughs> so we watched. What did you think of it? Yeah. I loved it. I was. I mean. I thought Zoe Deschanel would have a, a bigger part in it. But she's also really good because she's not playing Zoe Deschanel. She's yeah, not, it's yeah. not different. I'm the quirky thing. Will Ferrell is playing Zoe Deschanel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Holy crap. Which is the weird it's thing. the manic pixie dream elf and she's the the plain person who gets whose life gets changed. <gasps> yeah. That was really weird and it was for me. before Zoe Deschanel was the manic pixie dream girl. Yeah. Because a lot of her stuff from that time, she was like the Aubrey Plaza sort of character. Um, I don't know if you, any of you guys have seen Eulogy. She played that character in that. I have. I didn't even remember she was in it. Yeah, exactly. Because she's not what we know Zoe Deschanel as. Oh my God. See, I always get tripped up every time I put that in a movie because I forget that she's dyed her hair in that movie. Mm, and I'm yeah. like, what? She looks more like her sister. The Bones yeah. actress in that, but yeah. Anyway, yeah. So watched that. Watched uh, girlfriend got a Google Home and she wanted to test it out, and somehow that led to watching uh, Finding Nemo, which is good. good <laughs> How did Google Home yeah. lead to Finding Nemo? Uh, well, hey, we good. found Nemo with Google Home. Oh, fantastic! Oh. Product well, drop. <laughs> you, you fixed the movie. Yeah. <laughs> if only he had a Google Home. Yeah. <laughs> oh my and God. then, yeah, she's just been playing around with it, and you can just say, "Hey, Google, play Finding Nemo on Netflix," and it oh, does it. How does it control your net? Oh, I guess it's, it's Google. It's, it's it, Google. Controls it controls everything. Controls it knows everything. You've, every time you feed it information, it'll uh, cater to you and probably feed it to ASIO or something. <laughs> I'm not sure. So, <laughs> ASIO somewhere. Oh, no, 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 no. ASIO have already got like listening devices implanted in our heads. You mm. know. Yeah. <laughs> Of course. That's it and it's in the chemtrails, the chemtrails. <laughs> the chem There's trail. listening devices in the chemtrails, isn't there? Isn't that how it works? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, in the fluoride and the um, uh, the flat earth somewhere. Welcome to the Conspiracy Theory podcast. <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs> we should just, there should be a podcast where you just make up conspiracy. Every episode is about a conspiracy theory and you play it as if it's completely real. And I honestly just... thought that's what Alex Jones was. I didn't realise <laughs> he was serious. Frogs are gay, though. Yeah, frogs are totally gay. Yeah. Oh, we yes. all make up one conspiracy theory and then we, feed the, we choose the best one and then we feed it onto Twitter. Yes. <laughs> make it real. Uh, so is that everything you watch? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, what have I been watching? Oh. Is everyone, no, not anything big. I watched uh, Pitch Perfect 3. 
How was it? Better than two, but still shit. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's. I love number one. I I, I number think number one a, is so it's fucking such an good. Enjoyable and, movie, oh. and it's number two was just so. It, it's like every single joke got immediately really tired and bad. Pitch Perfect three kind of. The things I liked were there's moments where they make fun of themselves. Like they do a riff off in number three and then Anna Kendrick, she's like, I don't know why we keep doing these. We're always losing them. Why do we keep challenging people to riff off? Like they're just making fun of the shtick of Pitch Perfect. Mm. But I also like that Anna Kendrick, because in number two I had a big issue. Anna Kendrick felt like she did, every scene she was there and it felt like she didn't want to be there. She was like that that person that's dragged to the party and they don't want to be there. And, and she was playing moments kind of well but I just got this huge impression that she didn't want to do that movie but it was contractually obliged whereas Mm. number three it felt like she was having a lot more fun and I think she was given a lot more leeway in her performance because it feels a little bit more improv heavy but um, it's not good they they I think it must have been decided afterwards they open on this scene that then you find out is the end scene and they basically there's there's zero dramatic tension in the movie now because they literally answer any Thing it's really bad, but they wrap it up and they've they made it very clear that they're not doing another one. Thank God. So um, I just started watching Bates Motel as well. Oh, cool. First oh, yeah. I've heard like it, right now it's where it's at at the moment is where it's really finished. it's finished, right. isn't it? It's finished. I think oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it's, they, it's but they done. passed. They went through Psycho and then passed that. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah they oh, did. Okay. I believe was it Rihanna? Rihanna played. Rihanna was yeah, Marion Crane. Crane. Um, um, yeah, but I've, I'm only like three episodes in. It's Good. The first episode is tense as fuck. There is a rape scene, oh, and it is yeah. That's a good way to open a show. Is, yeah. They don't open it. it like the, the episode builds to it, but it's it's very hard to watch. So they don't hold back, which I think is really interesting for an A and E show. But they're not doing drama anymore. But yeah, it's good. And Freddie Heimel's good. And Vera Farmiga is always great. So I find it so weird. Freddie Heimel's in that. It's, yeah, he does a really good job though. And oh, I tell you what, there's oh, one of the actors. And they all get better like as yeah. it progresses. He's like, doing yeah. a Jackie Earl Haley, I guess, going from cute little kid actor to something really intense because Jackie mm-hmm. Earl Haley was uh, Rorschach in um, uh, Watchmen. But he was a child actor? Yeah, he but was in... Uh, what? Really? His first big thing was uh, Bad News Bears, the original. Holy oh, yeah. Wow. Wow. Oh, wow. This yeah. whole episode is about revelations. And then he becomes Freddy, becomes Freddy Krueger. Yeah. <laughs> Does he? Oh, yeah, he is yeah, too. He's the yeah. new Freddy, well, not new Freddy Krueger. Oh, he was the yeah, one yeah, in the movie yeah, that no yeah. one liked. With the, with the bad remake. Um, and yeah. then I watched a documentary called um, Step, which is this documentary about um, uh, a school of girls who – it's stepping's like it's kind of like this. Uh, have you seen Stomp the Yard, the movie? Or you know of oh, it? Yeah, it's I know that, of it. that thing. It's that where they're stepping and they're, it's kind of like beat poetry meets dance meets like body percussion. Um, and it's just a documentary about this school of these girls, these African American girls, and uh, it's really it's really moving. It's not like a it doesn't go beyond the normal documentary kind of. Uh, trappings of it's it doesn't like it doesn't do anything new as far as documentary, but it's just a really inspiring story, and they really captured the personalities of the people in the story. So it was really it was, a, and it's a very moving story too, and it's I guess very very topical at the moment because it, it's in Baltimore where there was the uh, one uh, one of the many many police shootings and stuff like mm. that. And so they deal that with that, and they bring it into the story of the documentary. It was really good and really moving. I was kind of considering putting it on my top ten, but it didn't quite make it there. There was another documentary that I like, but yeah, that's what that's what I've been watching. So 
Let's get into the main topic. Yeah, yes. uh, yeah. B movie. So, what did everyone think of Jerry Seinfeld's performance? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're talking about B movies, which is sort of like a—is it a genre? Or is it like a style? Well, what? Did, what? Well, the golden got- age of Hollywood would like you classify it would be like the second film of like a double picture. It's like the lower budget, like lesser. Of the two, was almost. it like a because they'd have to rent the movies from the studios, and so that'd be like the cheap one to keep people in to then keep buying all the candy. Yeah, it could be. Or mm. it's typically, like even nowadays, but even back then, it was like the big genre fair, so like horror or like you know, you got your westerns and everything. Which yeah, I think it started with westerns, and then it was, mm. and it became through the fifties and sixties when sci-fi and horror was big. They were like hardcore, just into the sci-fi horror mm, yeah. sort of stuff. I know, like the actual term B movie comes from like the B side of a record. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. that's what I understood. Yeah, it yeah. sounded like it was a yeah a record B side, and there's some great B side songs out there. Oh, that's <laughs> true. Yeah. But is that what is that now? Do we don't have an equivalent of B side in music now? But we kind of so do have an, an analog. Uh, that was more a thing for um, vinyl singles. So they'll have oh. the A side. Is Which the top is one. just the good song that the everyone wants. The good song likes. that everyone wants, yeah. Song, yeah. yeah. And then yeah, the B side. some stuff on the other side. Yeah, exactly. It's just things that they didn't fit on the album oh, when okay. they had it. So there's some, and there's some great stuff. I mean, Oasis' B sides were great back in the day. That would, back in, how long ago is this? How old uh, are you, Tim? <laughs> very. Uh, I'm 75. <laughs> <laughs> I look really good for my age. <laughs> but like, yeah, like Oasis songs. Uh, I remember even Noel Gallagher was like... Um, I feel like we wasted uh, our opportunity because we got all the good songs as B-sides early on rather than save them for the third album, Be Here Now, which was, let's face it, it was shit. Be Here Now? Is there a a pun there? Be Here Now on the B-side. You should hear some of their other album titles. Um, What was it? Standing on the Shoulder of Giants. Okay. Not Shoulders. Shoulder. (laughs) Is that just a typo that they the just sho- com- did they just make a typo and then they all just committed to it? Basically, yeah. Uh, oh apparently God. he was in America and saw um, that phrase on a coin because uh, I think it was Benjamin Franklin that said standing on the shoulders of giants. Uh, mm. Wrote it down while drunk. Somehow it ended up being shoulder. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> all these giants share the one shoulder. So all giants are conjoined twins. Oh, oh, excellent. There you go. Beautiful. So B-movies, do you, know, you guys know anything, Chancellor or Tim, about the history of the B-movies? Um, well, I don't know about history. Uh, I, I, I know like the what it's become today is essentially independent genre films. That's how you could kind of generally classify them because mm. either independent films are like art house or dramas or whatever or they're these obscure genre pieces. Mm. That's kind of how... They they've uh, transformed and over the like, years. Back in the day, they used to like people used to believe they were like inferior, but like nowadays yeah. they can be on par or even greater than. Well, there's an interesting thing films. with genre. I've been listening to a bunch of interviews with Guillermo del Toro, and he's been talking about how in the 20s and the 30s, there were, genres weren't a thing. Just they treated those big horror movies and the westerns and the mm. dramas and all that as the same sort of thing. It's only sort of, I guess, after the B-movie thing where they became, genre became a thing and somewhere like Australia, genre is such a dirty word. We make mm. we make dramas about people who cry in houses um, <laughs> and they cry really hard and they yell with monologues even though they're suburban people who probably couldn't really monologue in real life. Unless heroin. Can you, 
Lots of heroin. heroin and dead children. Mm. Dead a, children and rape. A real Australian monologue would just be like, yeah, nah, fuck nah, yeah, nah. Yeah, Chuck Yui at the bottle o and Oh, yeah, nah, no worries. I reckon it was JP Hi-Fi in that, eh? <laughs> <laughs> what is, where did you get that from? Have we just uh, written an I, Australian drama right no, now? No, that's the Australian anthem. We need to, I, wanna, I, wanna, I was talking with Chancellor about doing like just like, an, like a hardcore like you try you deliberately make like the most australian australian movie but you're intentionally just taking the piss out of all the uh the, the tropes. tropes of it kind of yeah. like did you ever watch that um it was the hallmark movie but will ferrell and Kristen wig did it and it's like oh, oh about the evil adopted child the, the, um, i had a, a, a deadly adoption it's yeah, called i haven't seen it but i know about it i would have liked it more if they actually like acknowledged it, it, they just play it straight. They play it oh, completely okay. straight. And it's kind of funny because it's Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig, so you know they're not taking it seriously. But at the same time, there was no joke in there that if it was different actors, it would just be another Hallmark movie. But anyway, right. um, I have a little bit of history because a lot of the B movies kind of in the 60s and the 70s, that big boom happened because the production code got scrapped. Uh, oh, you know about the production okay. code? Yeah, yeah, so like all the... Uh, like the morality and all that like yeah so that- there, was, there was this big list of things that films couldn't include and it was it started from i want to say the 40s i think it was maybe late 30s it was like the legion of decency and then it turned into the production code and it was this list of things I like that films the name couldn't legion include of yeah. decency. i was going to say legion of decency Legency yeah. of, Legion of Decency. Legency of Decency. Legency of Decent sounds fucking <laughs> sick. It sounds like a D&D game. Oh, my God. Just um, Legion of Decency. But they had a list of things like you, like like women weren't allowed to kiss when yeah, not I married. There couldn't be plot about murder. They couldn't sleep in the same bed. They couldn't sleep in the same bed. Wife. No toilet flushing and that sort of yeah. stuff. And two movies specifically had a huge hand in... Basically, like the production code was kind of on the way out because filmmakers were trying. Filmmakers were using tricks. You know, Alfred Hitchcock did the famous thing with the train through the tunnel. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah. Um, and he'd also do the thing with uh, multiple kisses. So rather than doing one really long kiss, yeah, he'd just do multiple. I think it was maybe five second kisses, maybe yeah. less. Yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. Um, but it was Psycho and Some Like It Hot were both because they first the, flush the, of the, the, they Psycho. yeah it was first flush of a toilet and all that kind of stuff. But the oh, they, was there one on Some Like It Hot? Yeah, yeah, no, no, so, so, no, 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 not in Some Like It Hot. The, the toilet flushing was Psycho, but Some Like It Hot was men dressing up as women, adultery, oh, yeah. sex. It was it was the sex version and Psycho was the violence version and uh, the psychotic. Okay. And the toilet flushing. Killers and the toilet flushing. And those two movies didn't get a pass by the, the I think it was still the Legion of Decency doing that. And, they, and so they released Unrated, which was normally a death sentence for a movie, and they came out and Psycho was a massive hit and Some Like It Hot was a massive hit and that basically everyone was like, oh, we don't need this code. And so they, I think the code just like folded itself. They're like, no, we're irrelevant now. And then it turned into the MPAA, which still have a lot of issues, but... um, Mm. So you, you can talk about stuff a little more, more, but that's what when the production code folded. Then the sixties and seventies, there was just this boom of these. Ex, it was the exploitation boom as yeah. well. But the B movies, kind of, you know, there was tits flying everywhere and blood and sex and violence. So it was I, beautiful. <laughs> it was a was, beautiful era in our history. It was. I think Tarantino thinks of the seventies as the best decade of cinema history. I don't know that I 100% agree with him, but it's certainly where some of the most innovative filmmaking came because that's Spielberg, Friedkin, Scorsese, you know, they all were pushing their stuff in that kind of era. But, yeah, 
So uh, we've, I'm following notes written by Josh here. So Josh, uh, we've got <laughs> associative terms because there's like there's B movie, but we have like C movie, Z movie. How are they different, and are they different anymore? I, I'm always confused with like the use of the term Z movie because like Zombies? Z, Z movies. I've all <laughs> the first thing I ever, the first time I ever heard of the term Z movie was Ed Wood. Plan Nine from Outer Space. Yeah, was that's a Z where movie. it actually came from. It's like because it's like the lowest look, of the low, the shittest yeah, of the shit, or like incredibly micro budget. Like yeah, it's like see that's I how I was that one. I, I thought uh, the first movies that came to mind with Z movie were um, Birdemic. See, and that, that's how it is today. That's how I think of it because yeah. they're so low budget. But also um, a movie from the seventies called Black Devil Doll from Hell. Oh my god! I have so not even heard of this. Here. That sounds amazing. It's, it's terrible. It's um, a guy. <laughs> it's so these are movies that are really, really cheaply produced. Wait, it's in yeah. the seventies and it's Black Devil Doll. Is it like a, a ver- mm. like a racist thing? Uh, no, no. Well, it's a black exploitation film made by African Americans. So it's okay. Uh, so it's so it's, it's okay. okay, I guess. <laughs> it's, it's okay for us to enjoy it because we're all. I don't white know. In this room. Um, but well, I didn't enjoy it. It was uh, it's oh. terribly made. It's um. So it's this doll that looks a lot like Rick James <laughs> and it murders people. Cool. Basically, that's Fun. basically it. Um, but the way it was made was because um, it was the guy's very first time making a movie and he didn't go to film school and didn't have any anything like that. So what he did was he kept on ordering these how-to-make-film tapes uh, and, and okay. he'd, wa- he'd watch one and he'd use the lessons from that go onto the film, watch the next one, go back to the film and keep Uh-oh. doing it like that. Imagine if this guy had YouTube. Yeah. Life would be this, so much easier for him. See, this feels like a disaster artist-esque movie where the making of it would make a really interesting movie, but also a really diverse movie, no? Mm, yeah. <laughs> mm. So much diversity in disaster artist. Well, oh, there yeah. wasn't. When it comes... So that, that's how I see Z movies. Z movies are like the lowest of the low, yeah. low budget. But then I hear people talking about... Um, Oh, who's that fucking German guy who makes a video game movie? Uwe Boll. Boll. I hear people call Uwe Boll films Z movies. They're not, they're high they're, budget. Yeah, they're high budget. They're just yeah. shit. There's, there's a <laughs> they huge are, They are still there. like B movies. Or, uh, yeah, they're independent because yeah. they're, they're... B movies in terms of content, but in terms of Or the maybe form. C, because like usually C movies now have their, like, their access is like mainly direct to cable. So it's like HBO, yeah. it's the sci-fi channel. That's like from the 90s up, that's what they became. So I think he has a place sort of there with like really niche, even if you watch it for like an April Fool's thing that what <laughs> Adult Swim does. Like it's just that type of stuff. That's where yeah. they fit in. I always heard Z movies referred to as like Z graders in the zombie related. Yeah. That, that can also why. be the thing. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with like the approach to it. But I, I can think of like two shitty Z, Z movies that are zombie films. What ones are they? Um, so actually, no, this is probably Attack more of the a, return of the dead of the something of the something. Uh, well, no, technically that's, a, <laughs> that that's just a parody because oh, okay. they literally just have the film. No, there was that. What was that film you made on, on YouTube? Revenge Jane? of the Medieval Zombies. Yeah, that one. Part three. <laughs> I'm making fun of you. Yes. <laughs> Good times. Uh, well, I think, I think it's interesting. The, when you compare to what like the old B movies are from like the fifties through to the, maybe a uh, late sixties, I, uh, or even the seventies, I don't think C movie and Z movie. They're not that. It's like it, I don't think they're different anymore. Mm. Now they would be different in the sixties and the seventies because you have something like Easy Rider, or that, which mm. would be like a that's a biker exploitation, a biker almost. exploitation. Yeah. But it, yeah. like it hit 
big yeah. that started this huge lot of indie filmmakers and, and all that kind of stuff. But I think nowadays I just think it's there's trashy movies and then there's movies that are made yeah, to not be trashy. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. incredibly muddy because like you have what they kind of think about it is it's also low budget, so which we believe now is mainly independent films as well. So mm. it can be stuff like really good stuff, maybe from like A24, something that's technically like you can have low budget stuff there. And based on history, that would technically be a B movie, but mm. how we view it as a B movie isn't like what we view as B movie. I think it's because of access. I mean, now yeah. we, I think VHS partly. But then with DVD and now online streaming, it's literally we just have so much access to the entire range of stuff mm, that there's yeah. not like oh you have to go to that shitty video store to get the VHS for the B movies. Now you can get the v- you can get the B movies lined up right next to Twelve Years a Slave or something like that. It sounds like porn. <laughs> <laughs> well, like literally, I mean, that's kind of go how into I the back it. room through the beads and yeah, find the, the bead curtains. They always have that. <laughs> but that's what they used to have a section for, that, didn't they? The exploitation sort of stuff. Um, maybe for like exploitation. We're, we're not stuff, that maybe. old yet. <laughs> but I think I think it, what it was was in the, historically it was more schlockier movies, mm. and now it kind of just means badly made movies. It's almost I like, would argue cheaply made. Yeah, not like, you can be cheap and good. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, that Peter, that Peter would Jackson, be a pretty, great B-movie. Shane Carruth is like Shane the Carruth. like the the epitome. Actually, of that. he's like on the like the research for B movie stuff. Like he's like mentioned yeah. like Shane Carruth's like Primer, like the, yeah. that movie. But like it's like a serious movie and it's a well made movie. Mm-hmm. And I think because you, 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 you wouldn't put Birdemic and Primer in the same sentence together, other <laughs> than like is nothing is like a Z movie. Birdemic I think is you just did def- put them in the same <laughs> sentence. Oh, oh no! Oh. Only talking about not putting them in, but no. Um, <laughs> Ironic. I put a full stop there. You just didn't hear it. <laughs> I, I think it, it was a focus more on content when it was sort of defining what is a B movie, and now it's more on form. Right, it's yeah. more on how it's made, not necessarily what is made. Because there's there's a ver- you know it's the birds. There's a version of birds attacking people that is not bad. It's not yeah. the plot. It's not the setup. It's not the the like premise. It's not the premise. It's just that it's so it's awfully made. It's like, the execution yeah. that mm. makes it a, a a B movie. So yeah, uh, cult. You've got the next point. You've got cult films and exploitation films. Are they B movies, and what defines them? I'd say definitely. What one of the biggest oh. B movies around is Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm. I mean, that is specifically meant. Yeah, to be but a B-movie, the cult but films can be also range from like it can be like pulp fiction or stuff like that. Like cult, a cult it refers, be- I think, to more based on the audience's reception of the movie rather than the movie itself. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to say because like. Um, for example, Showgirls. That's become a cult film. And it's oh, yeah, that's awful. not a B-movie. Totally. That's yeah, there. It's, no, I it's totally there. super high budget, but and it's Hoven. awful and uh, I love it still, even though it's awful. But I still haven't seen it. I'm oh, it's just, so I'm very I just realised that movie also has a scene where someone has sex with a belly button, just like <laughs> in the room. I'm trying to remember. But is it intentionally uh, having sex with the belly oh, button? Oh, the pool scene. Was yeah, that? the pool scene where she has sex with his belly button. I just, uh, oh, yeah, Gender that's right. Yeah, reversed. yeah, because it looks like, I don't know, she's flopping around and making dolphin noises. It's it's um, it's worth watching the film alone. Okay. And just <laughs> some is of the it dialogue. one of the ones where if I was to sit down and watch it on my own, I'd hate it? Probably. Um, yeah. I watched it on my own and I loved it, but I'm weird. So <laughs> I've seen know. the uh, second one. There's a second show. There is a second, second one. Showgirls. That is a B movie. It's straight to DVD. It's uh, pretty much entirely funded by one of the other actresses in the first one. Everyone Not Elizabeth Berkeley. Uh, 
I don't know names, man. Um, but yeah, she completely funded it and it's pretty much the same story but with this other character who was in the first movie. Oh, okay. Did it have his good dialogue? Uh, yes. I'm going to say yes. When you say good dialogue, you mean bad dialogue. Everybody got oh, yeah. AIDS well, um, and shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what was one I liked? Um, it must be weird not having guys come on you. Uh, what? <laughs> Only yeah, the finest dialogue. I need to. I, I need to. I, I actually quite like Paul Verhoeven. Yeah, as he's, well. he's a great. He's such an inter. He's. I don't think there are many filmmakers with as varied a filmography as him. Because mm. you put you'd put Showgirls, Starship Troopers, and Robocop, uh, Robocop, and uh, all L three of those next movies. to each other. Yeah, have L- boobs. They do. L has boobs too, but boobs, in, man. yeah, but uh, yeah. It Look, is. okay, maybe that's the running theme. He's the boob director. <laughs> yeah. Boobs is a genre. Did you but, not know? <laughs> well, I think. Oh, oh, do you have something to say? Well, about? I'm just going to say, like, also, we're going to run through like exploitation films as well. Like, they've been, they've become greater than B movies. Like, Night of the Living Dead can sort of mm. be like at the time maybe considered a B movie, but now it's like revered as this like massive introduction to horror almost. So it's just like yeah. Yeah, well, one of the things I found with B movies is that they're all made. We, we've already said they they're all made very cheaply. Yeah. But the main mm. reason is to try and maximize the profits afterwards. Yeah. So that That's even true, if yeah. they make more money from it, it means it's still a success. And I feel like the exploitation genre is part of that uh, strategy for marketing it because yeah. they're exploiting. Usually, one of the things I really like about B movies is they're often documents of the time because they're exploiting some sort of issue at the time. Well, you have like, yeah, 30s and 40s, like cautionary films. Mm, and yeah. then you go into Reef the- Madness. Yeah. yeah, and then you go into <laughs> the 50s, like biker films are like, and then you got like Easy Rider and then it's like exploitation, So it's like the 70s and everything. And also like cannibal films as well. Yeah. So- what would our exploitation <laughs> films be today? Well, um, what are they? I mean, I guess it. Do we do we have? I want to say L, kind of in a way. L. I want to say that L's not an exploitation you don't think film. So? No, it's a. Se- it was a pretty se- straightforward. It might serious... have if I'd actually seen L. <laughs> you haven't seen L. I haven't. I haven't it's yet. Shockingly good. I wasn't expecting to be as good as it was because I was. I kind of I, I got really invested in the story. Yeah. And I don't normally do that. I'm kind of like watching that because I don't really. You see enough movies and you start to know where it's going to go, and so that's not the fun of it. The fun of it is how they get there. But I was really invested in mm. the plot of the yeah. movie, and I didn't think I would be. And he shoots it the mm. way he shot it was a very interesting kind of thing. It's definitely not an exploitation mm. film. I think nowadays we've kind of got that. I mean, it's almost you know. How I reckon it's, it's back it's, to cautionary because it's like it's all due with technology now. Like cautionary tales about technology. So Black Mirror, yeah. But Black th- Mirror is our exploitation film. Oh, I've got one actually. You ready? Yep. Gem in the holograms. Oh my oh god! god. <laughs> well, that is it, a cautionary tale no, no, about the internet. <laughs> but that's what I was going to say. Is that because a lot of like even expo- there's a lot of that retro exploitation thing, like uh, Black Dynamite. Uh, there was the Grindhouse movies that Tarantino yeah. did where mm. they're intentionally doing it and it almost elevates it to being an A movie. Yeah. But still being completely a B movie. It's a really weird thing. There's like nostalgia is a big thing, I think, that's coming in uh, in, a, in a bad and a good way. You're seeing it and you're seeing it all the way through, not mm. just on B movies. You're seeing it in Jurassic World all the way down to, you know, really, really low budget stuff. You know, they're going to. Uh, Turbo Kid. Turbo Kids, yeah, 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 that would be a that would be a very much a B movie. Yeah, oh, definitely. But, uh, it's got Michael Ironside in it, which is excellent. <laughs> but the thing I think with, that's different with Gem and the Holograms, so not only I is haven't it, actually watched it, it's awful. Yeah, don't, don't you're don't better change. off not. Or Justin Run Lin. now. Run. You know the story about that movie though? 
I know. All I remember is uh, Molly Ringwald's the mum. Yep. Oh, no, no, no. The story of, of the, like, the making of it. No. So they were trying to do a Gem in the Holograms movie for... It feels like, like forever. For, for an, forever, but, like, recently. It was only, like, five years before the actual movie came out. They were trying to do it, trying to do it, and it was budgeted at, like, 40 to 60 million. Yeah. At 40 to 60 million. And the problem is, is that that was right at the time when the bottom fell out of mid-range budget movies. Yeah. I think it's coming back ever so slightly but the, the no one could do it for that money and then i think jason bloom got the budget and jason bloom has uh he has like this his, his deal with universal studios he has like an automatic green light he doesn't have to get approval for anything budgeted less than five million dollars oh. if it's sci-fi horror or thriller that is the 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 key thing it's not allowed to be like a drama or a musical so if, when he did you know whiplash he had to Get, go through different channels, but he can automatically approve anything budgeted under $5 million. That's his deal that he set up with Universal because they almost mm. instantly make movie. So that's why, you know, he can green light Get Out despite the fact that no one else wants to green light Get Out. But um, anyway, so he, I think he came to it and him and Justin Lin were like, well, and he was like, look, I'll give you complete creative control and you can do this if you can do, give it to me for $5 million. So the budget for that movie is $5 million for a big wow. space music Oh, oh it's, yeah. Well, it's uh, very different to the cartoon in that there is um, no it, space. There is the I mean, cartoon. There's space. Oh, um, but in the movie, in the movie, no. It's uh, basically cyberspace. Yeah, exactly. That's what what I was going to about get to with, about it exploiting. It's exploiting the whole Internet YouTuber. Room. Yeah, it's trying to exploit it by going, "Hey, if you like YouTubers, we've got a whole movie about them." Oh god! Yeah. But that's what I mean. That was like unfriended. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah. Unfriended is a very much a B movie. A lot of, a lot of. I mean, you know, in our, come into our top, not in our top five, but Jason Blum will feature in that. Yeah. Um, he's yeah. sort of that kind of bridge between the B movies and the A movies kind of stuff because he just churns them out like nobody's business. Mm. I just saw the trailer for. What's it called? Truth or Dare. Truth or Dare, yeah. And they've turned Truth or Dare into like a supernatural really? horror movie. <laughs> but it's got like the cast of actors. It's got Lucy Hale. It's got oh, Hayden. Why do I know her? Lucy uh, Hale. Pretty Little Liars. Yeah. She's the girl who's really young who's sleeping with the teacher. Well, um, it would help if I've seen uh, Pretty seen Little Liars. <laughs> she was like in all, it, it, his, in all the promos for the show, she's the one they always kept to the front. Okay. Of the stuff. There's like all the girls behind her and she's like the one in front. Um, she's a queen bee. Yeah. I, my, she's not really, she's not the leader of the show. My sister loved, well, she loved that show and then she kept watching, hate watching afterwards when it got really bad. <laughs> so I walk in and out and so I got like the gist of the show, but I never got into it. Um, but it's got her, it's got Hayden Zito from, um, did you see The Edge of Seventeen? I didn't, but she was the lead oh, girl. Wasn't no, 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 Hayden. Hayden's a guy. Um, he's the romantic lead oh, in Edge of okay, Seventeen, okay. and that movie's really good. Like you've got to watch that one. It's pretty, that would be a great double feature with Ladybird. It would a hundred percent. That would be a great feature with Ladybird. But anyway, and it's got Sam Lerner from the the Goldbergs. It's got like a lot of young actors that are doing a lot of TV, mm-hmm. and then they get them in to do the you know mm-hmm. this. But I mean, it, the trailer looks it's like supernatural thing. And like just say truth or dare. Like it's so. That's bad. actually an interesting thing you brought that up because that was one of the big things of B movies uh, in the say eighties and nineties is that either star unknowns or TV actors because TV actors, especially in those days, I think only. Only in the last decade mm. has that bridge between because if you were a TV actor, you were a TV actor. Yeah, you could yeah, do movies. Yeah, that was not that, movies. There was very rarely the actor that could cross over. Even the biggest stars wouldn't go and do TV because it was seen as the schlocky thing to do. Mm. And then the biggest sort of 
uh, TV actors, highest paid ones, would couldn't get a job in movies because no one wants to see them, and and yeah, yeah. so that's kind of an, inter- an interesting thing. Yeah, like uh, I remember, mm. yeah, in the seventies, there was Grand Theft Auto, which had um, uh, Ron Howard. Yeah. Uh, what else was there? King of the Spiders, which is uh, a film that we've screened at Comedy Commentary Cinema, that had William Shatner. Yep. A, a oh little while God. after. Um, it was a while after Star Trek happened. Uh, it's it's awful. It's, yeah. I think, he, I think he's a vet. I think. <laughs> like a veterinarian or a veteran? A veterinarian that is a veteran. Oh Are my you serious? God, double vet. Yeah, a double vet. I love it. Oh, uh, my God. Or no I, vet cred. Although I think he knows a lot about animal psychology as well. But you, you very see why we love these movies, right? <laughs> yeah, they it's, are. It's a rabbit ridiculous. hole. Our producer Zane is just like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait till you see the actual movie. It is something else. <laughs> it's called Spider what? Kingdom of Spiders. Kingdom of Spiders. It's amazing. The monster it's, movie is a big thing in B-movies. Yeah, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, um, oh, what else was there? Michael Caine had uh, The Swarm. Oh yeah, my god! That, the, really? The bees, killer bees, the killer bee movie. <laughs> Not the bees. Not the bees. <laughs> well, wasn't the first one of that? The first Wicker Man was a bee movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. The, then the remake was like billed as this high class, A grade thing. Can we also talk about Jaws? How like the original Jaws is like the, one of the first blockbusters, and then each sequel increasingly goes to B yeah. movie territory. <laughs> yeah, so it goes from blockbuster to B movie schlock. Against with Michael Caine again flying a plane. Yeah. I haven't. I haven't. Michael seen Caine, Caine and animals, man. Oh What's the go? It's great because, like, pretty much after Jaws, there have been so few like a lister shark movies. There's no like, but there have been forty-seven meters down. There are a Those trillion. Shallows. There are so many more bee Which movies. Blake we- Lively can't swim two meters to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! I can't God. swim, so I I understood that. You movie. can't swim. Yeah. Why? I don't know, probably spent too much time watching movies or something. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> well, there's this culturally, you have this like big sort of. There's a celebration critique of B movies now. It's like like in the day they weren't categorizing them quite like we do now where it's not like a thing. People don't, you know, the room, you see the room where everyone yeah. Yeah. does these midnight screens, the common, comedy yeah, yeah. commentary cinema. <laughs> um, Wait till you hear the venue it's at, it's actually. Is it, it, where are you at now? Uh, we're at um, Saccharomyces Beer Cafe. I oh, had yeah. to spend SBC. 10 minutes learning how to say Saccharomyces. You mean SBC? SBC is how you need to say. You don't is that to say, say Saccharomyces? I just look at Saccharomyces. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I was that's, like. I, I had to do a radio I, interview I am like, for I it feel and, like it's Greek. It uh, is. It's a Greek god. It's something to do with uh, the process of brewing beer. So that's yeah. that's why they chose the word. But um, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Um, yeah, it's like Christian uh, Fletcher from Comedy Commentary Cinema. He does uh, the room screenings, which are mm. amazing. I went, I went to room. one of them. It was quite fun. I sat it's, down the front. What's really fun about sitting oh, down the front is that you place. never run out of spoons yeah. because everyone's spoons land in your lap, literally yeah. land in your lap, and then you can do it. But uh, the, the culture around like the way we... Hey, I guess like everyone sort of enjoys watching love hate relationships. Love hate. They yeah. enjoy watching bad movies. What is your sort of thoughts on it, guys? The so bad it's good. Yes, for me it's it, it's it's a difficult one because there's a fine line between so bad it's good and just bad. And I think that line, and I say think because there are some exceptions to the rule, is sincerity. Mm. When the yeah. movie is sincere and they're trying to do something great, but it just sucks. That's yeah. when you love it. Okay. It, yeah. It's it's hard to like one that like knows that it's shit. And it sucks because like I love the Sharknado films. Sharknado's are ones that know their shit and they're just going full ball. 
but then Piranha 3D. Piranha 3D was a high-budget film trying to be a B-movie. It had all the B-movie tropes, but I couldn't buy in because I was like, no, you've got too much of a budget. You're above this shit. I'm going to go back and watch the original Piranha because it was a B-movie. Thanks, James Cameron. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, he did the second one. Fuck. Really? No, he didn't. He directed for two days. He was fired. Then he broke into the edit bay with a credit card. He was fired over a scene about someone breaking into a, cr- a, thing, a, a thing with, with a, credit a credit card. card. They said, that yeah. what doesn't exist. You can't do that. You're fired. And so he broke into the edit bay with a credit card <laughs> to cut the scenes that he'd shot. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, it, but yeah, the, the uh, sincerity behind it, like things like The Room, brilliant because he's trying to make something birdemic birdemic's another one where james nguyen he's trying to make this epic drama he just doesn't know every, how every interview is so sad yeah, oh it's so sad <laughs> but then you see birdemic 2 and birdemic 2 is interesting because uh it was crowdfunded uh by this producer the producer is in on the joke and you can tell all throughout the movie that they're in on the joke but james nguyen is not and he's directing the movie. Oh, no. So it's this weird uh, mix match sorry, between sincere trying to do good but bad and just bad for the sake of being bad. Uh, there's an iconic scene in the first one where people are all clapping around a table. It goes for like five minutes and keep <laughs> looping the footage. They do the same thing in the second one, but it's more exaggerated and it doesn't work anymore. Mm. But then again, there's, um, uh, what is it? In the second one, there's this whole thing about cavemen because the birds are coming, global warming. Uh, uh, and that scene is sincerely James Nguyen trying to tell a dramatic fucking, uh, you know, global warming tale. And it's hilarious. Oh my God. Uh, Samurai Cop, I haven't seen the second one, but Samurai Cop is one where it's low budget. It's lucky. The white, the white balance changes in every shot. It's wonderful. <laughs> Samurai Cop 2 is interesting because yes, it's self-aware, but it's also trying to do better it, it, it's it's much more stylized uh it's in space if i remember right yeah uh it's got tommy wiseau in it uh, oh, okay. um and, and, and yeah so it, it's an interesting take uh josh have you seen lizard sapien yes i have yeah so this lizard was a film yeah. made in our school and it uh, made it out of school JMC. Um, it was one of the grad films. And when I watched it, it like had, it was like trying to be a B movie. It was so clearly trying to be a B movie. It had like this uh, film grain effect on it. And it was bad and it was funny. And then I found out afterwards, the director was trying to make a genuine horror film. Are you serious? <laughs> the producer was like, but it's so bad. So behind the director's back, the producer restructured it. So it made it look, and that's one where I'm like, wow, that is genuinely sincere and simultaneously made to be that way. That's amazing. I need to see this movie. Also, it it could have gone really far, but like it's gone abandoned. Like it's it's sitting at the uni basically. Yeah, so we're trying to... Make it big again. Everyone should see Lizard Sapien somehow. <laughs> well, that's kind of the thing is that the digital era has mm. kind of really brought this back because now it, the democratization of filmmaking means that anyone, literally anyone, can make a movie mm. now. Yeah. And so uh, Josh is on, on your notes, he's got like, you know, you've got the Asylum, um, yeah, the asylum yeah, company the asylum. who basically made, who their business model is based on making bad stuff. And they've never lost profits on their films. Really? Like they've yeah. had like no but loss. Are their, their movies profit, are short are their profit, company model. Are their yeah. profit margins very big? 
Do we anyone know? Who knows? Okay. Oh, okay. Well, I can imagine I, I that decent. they don't spend a lot. They maybe they, most a lot of green shot in a week and a half. Mm. Uh, no, they write it in a weekend. It's written yeah, in a weekend. That's right the in a weekend, shot in a week and a half, probably edited in three days. Who knows? And it's out in shelves right before The Hobbit comes out yeah. or something like that. Because they're all mockbusters. Where well, like, well, they actually yeah. have three movie structures. So you've got their mockbusters, mm-hmm. which are things like uh, Transmorphers, Transmorphers <laughs> which I sample <laughs> one of my favourite. Atlantic, yeah, Atlantic Rim, Rim yeah. that sort of thing, where... Uh, it's made to ride on the success of and a to, big film. Actually, I, I, and I read an interview, they, the most like 80, somewhere like 80% of their profits from those movies come from people accidentally yeah. thinking that <laughs> it's the real one in the video going store. going to the store going, oh, oh that Transmorphous thing the kids love, and then getting mm-hmm. it. And that's like they banked on that and it oh, worked, yeah. but now the video stores are dead. Their second <laughs> their second film structure is monster movies. So th- monster movies and disaster films, I kind of... Yeah, yeah so they did uh, giant octopus versus... Um, what was it? Shark. Uh, it's like shark octopus. Shark octopus. Uh, that's Roger Corman, guys. Come on. Was it? Yeah. Um, I only know because I've got a box. No, uh, Mega Shark versus Megalodon. Giant Octopus. Uh, the Megalodon series isn't the Asylum, I'm pretty sure. Um, but Three-Headed Shark Attack is... Uh, I'm trying to think of all their other monster movies. Cobra, uh, there's something about a cobra, isn't there? Big, uh, like oh, snake, um, snake, big snakes snake on a train. Thing. Was that them? Snakes on a train was them. Snakes on a train. <laughs> uh, so they have their monster movies, and then they also have Christian movies, which is Sunday really? School Musical. Sunday School Musical is my favorite one. Uh, but yeah, they have a whole bunch of Christian movies. Sunday School Musical is the only notable one because it's also a mockbuster. Of guess which movie, guys? Hey. La La Land. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say High School Musical. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it, it is. Oh, it actually is? Well, I kind of want to see that now. Oh, <laughs> is it bad though? Are they bad? Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. They're all bad. Well, I think it's interesting. YouTube's doing a heat to bring about awareness. I know no one knew about Neil Breen until yeah. just recently, yeah. actually, like within the last year, who he does. Oh, my God. His movies. So he does so not do bad. Midnight. Movies. This is a real, legitimate movie. <laughs> I do real movies. I'm a real Hollywood filmmaker. Uh, his pauses are the best. Yeah, he's like, uh, Mr. Breen. Uh, what do you? What's your inspiration for this movie? What's like the subtext behind this? Uh, it's your own interpretation. Yes. <laughs> he's like an architect or something, isn't he? He used to be uh, a lawyer or something. Yeah. yeah, it's like something Some white collar job. Something yeah. in Las Vegas, and uh, yeah. he puts Las Vegas in a lot of his movies. It's in. kind of leading to this this fusion of you're seeing all these bad movies, people watch the bad movies and then they kind of love it. They kind yeah. of get into it. And so we've, there's a movie, a local movie called, um, what is it? What is it? We, just, we went to the premiere, Lieutenant Jangles. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which yes. is an intentional B movie exploitation thing, but it was a lot of fun. It's basically like a feature film version of Beastie Boys sabotage music video. Yeah. <laughs> that is... That's that is hoping they put that on their fucking DVD. Oh, they can now. We're a podcast. They can say, they can just put the quotes, like a feature film version of the Beastie Boys <laughs> music video. We yeah. have to tell them about it. I um, hope they actually put the quote Oh man, we can put a quote on because we're a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, you're writing one now too, aren't you, Johnston? Yeah, yeah, uh, with Josh. Um, Oh, yes. Yes. uh, We've got a few people together because specifically uh, I spoke about them in last week's podcast or the future podcast. I don't know which one. The one with Mansour. Last week's. Oh, yeah, good, good. Um, Yeah, quote unquote, last week's. 
uh, where we only had like one guy of color come in to audition. And although he wasn't right for the role that I had written, I fell in love with him. And I'm like, no, I'm writing a whole movie for this guy. Absolutely. Uh, where, yeah, it's it's called Karate Cop 3, Putting a Chop to Crime. Uh, that is the full <laughs> title. It must be called by its full title every time you say it. Uh, and yeah, it, it's about a karate fighting cop. Is the is the cop spelled with a K? It is now. Oh, we always thought yes. that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. We're, we're kind of, I mean, we've been talking about an idea of doing it for a long time, for a long time now. Not a long time, only like three years, two years. Yeah. Uh, called The Wizard of Oz, and it's this Ozploitation oh. version of The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> because The Wizard like of Oz Doza is in the public instead of domain. Dorothy. Yeah, well, it's in the public <laughs> domain. And, and, and we had a rule where, like, in the movie, absolutely everyone has to say, yeah, nah, shit's fucked. That's like a, a, like a, a, a mandatory thing in, in the movie and it's going to be Doza from, you know, instead of Dorothy and it's not a... Oh, no, I don't want to spoil too much because we yeah. don't want to do it. But it's, it's we're going to write it. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. Also from we, Logan. Uh, well, but see, originally we had her coming from England, and then she gets swept away in a pub crawl into. Oz. <laughs> 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 and uh, but now I'm like, oh, but then she can't be called Dozer, but she could be called Dorothy, and then everyone she meets calls her Dozer. Yeah, and but it wasn't that going to be a character arc that she starts as Dorothy, and by the end she becomes Dozer. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We, well, let's, yeah. Let's, let's, let's let's do that. Yeah, we're okay, we're, we're going to no fucking write that this year, 2018, yeah. New Year's resolution. Uh, uh, an interesting one is one that me and Josh both love uh, is, uh, fuck, what's it called? Um, Kung Fury. Oh, my God. Oh, Kung, Kung Fury, Fury is specifically oh, made yeah, to yeah. get in on that sort of audience. And around the same, well, actually, no, long after, Turbo Kid came out. And Turbo Kid is an interesting one. Is Any that made by the same it? guys, is it? No, no, no. But it, it's the same sort of thing where it's capitalizing on that genre. But I think Turbo Kid's much better because it's, it's got heart. It, it's got the heart that those movies don't have. So it's not purposely trying to be bad. It's doing the nostalgia thing, but also having its own thing. Mm. And I think that's where it comes into being a really good movie rather than just an enjoyable, fun, schlocky movie. I think that's a very good place to end. Does anyone have, did you have any more notes? Anyone? No. No? I did want to add, though, really good uh, people doing stuff in Australia is Dinosaur. Uh, they oh, yeah. made uh, Danger 5. Oh, oh yes, yes. Oh. yes. How did we not Ital- talk about Italian Spider Man? Yeah, Italian Spider Man was their very first big hit, which is an amazing short. Then Danger Five, the first season, sort of does a. Um, it's like sixties Batman for a Thunderbirds. Um, yeah, yes. that sort of thing. Mm. It's really great. And then the second season, they do straight to video eighties sort of style. I believe it's, it's. I believe it's available on Netflix for anyone, yeah, and I think it's available on Netflix internationally as well it i think is, it, yeah. it's actually hitting really big in america at the moment a lot of americans love it it's great it's it's an amazing those guys do some other really amazing things i think they've got a, some more projects coming up in the future so oh, definitely so one definitely ones to keep watch of those guys at dinosaur okay dinosaur um so now we've got our top five and josh has picked the topic and it's top five personalities from b movies and so not just like filmmakers or actors just personalities yeah. people associated just, yeah in them. that sphere, does anybody even poor Greg Sestero who just wanted to make him? <laughs> yeah, he just wanted to be an actor, and he's, and he's stuck with a vampire forever. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who's that? Greg Sestero from Sistero. the room. Oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't hear you say the name. Have you seen? Oh, I was going to say, I'm like, you've seen the disaster. You've seen the room. You've seen oh, all of. I've them. seen all of them. I've seen. Have you too read the much book? 
I haven't read the Get book. Get the yet. audiobook. Greg Sestero reads it and he does the best Tommy Wiseau impression. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah, he does. He <laughs> does. Oh my God. It's so good. I think even he did better it. than James Franco's? I think, oh, yes. yes. I think Greg Sestero should have played Tommy Wiseau in the disaster. Wow. <laughs> would have been amazing. He was meant to have a cameo in it, but he got cut out. Yeah. Tommy Wiseau's cameos in it. Uh, he was meant to be a casting agent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which oh, is no, funny because actually, he technically was cast. No, no. He was meant to be, because in obviously there was an original Greg. He was meant to be the original Greg that got fired. Oh, okay. Oh. They cut that subplot out of the movie, so... Oh, yeah, damn. So, but they filmed it. Uh, or they cut sure. it out. I think it was oh, in the okay, script, maybe. at least. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I'll start, because I'm like... My knowledge of B-movies isn't, like, too huge, so I'll, I'll leave the, the better ones to you, but um, my honourable mentions are William Castle, who is a director. Oh, yeah. He started in a lot of... In the Western B-movies. He was in that big boom, but he's very famous for having done the movie The Tingler. <laughs> Whoa, what? <laughs> Do you not know about this? No. I don't know The Tingler, actually. Are you serious? Oh my god! I know William Castle. It was, I don't know so the it, was, it was in the boom of where 3D was a thing, and they were trying to really up the experience in the 50s when they were trying to up the experience of the similar cinema because people were going to TV. And the Tingle is this—it's like a thing, like a worm. I haven't actually seen the movie, but I just like this is why he's a like, personality because, uh, and it was the 3D or the motion or where they'd spray stuff on you, and he put like these buzzing things in the chairs so that every time something oh, happened on the movie, it would buzz him. in the chair, and it. And it and people screamed and sort of stuff. How do you not? How have you I not know heard the that, Tingler? I didn't know it was called the Tingler. It's called the Tingler. Oh, That's okay. the movie. So uh, he kind of did that. And then uh, my second honorable mention is it's kind of a blurred line. His uh, his name is Juan Colette Serra. He's a filmmaker who did Nonstop, Orphan, and the remake of House of Wax. Yeah, because he's working yeah. in B movie stories, mm. but in a studio setting. Yeah, he's kind of that weird blurred line, but I quite like nonstop and I loved Orphan. Orphan was so ridiculous as a movie. It was great. But, um, and in my top five, I've got number five is Jack Arnold, the director of Creature from the Black Lagoon. It came from outer space, the incredible shrinking man. Yep. He's sort of like one of the grandfathers of that mm. sci-fi yeah. thing in the fifties and the sixties. Um, number four is Tommy Vercola, the filmmaker who, oh, you wouldn't, you know him. Um, he did Kill Bull Show. He did Dead Snow and Dead oh, Snow 2. Oh, yeah, yeah, and then yeah, he did yeah, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. Yes. He he graduated from my film school. So he's oh, sort of the big one. Oh. When anyone taught, like, like when I was at film school, they just kept going, oh, Tommy's doing a Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters because Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters hadn't come out and Will Ferrell was going to be the lead in that. It's like, they're working with Will Ferrell. They're doing a Will Ferrell movie. They're doing Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell Will was going to be in that pro- movie? Will Ferrell's listed as a producer on it. Um, but he does B movies and he's done B movies and then he's brought B movies into a studio space. Yeah. And I think working equally that well. That explains like, a lot because I remember seeing uh, of Will Ferrell, uh, Casa de Mi Padre, which is his um, telenovela Mexican parody, I guess. It's oh, what? great. What is it called? Casa de Mi Padre, Casa The House of My Mi Father. Padre. Oh, right. Okay. It's, it's great. It's got uh, Gael Garcia Bernal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh, got God. Diego Luna. Oh, my God. It's, it has both of them on. Yeah, both Casa of them. Casa de la Padre. Yeah, Casa de Mi Padre. De Mi Padre. Okay, well, I'm going to put that. But, yeah, Tommy Wakola. Uh, and then number three is John Carpenter. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Beautiful. He's a great – his movies are B-movies, but he elevated them so much. Well, he's one of those ones who knows how to stretch a budget and make it look amazing. Because mm, uh, for a long time, I think – sound amazing because he did his own yeah, soundtracks too. Well, yeah. uh, Halloween was for a very long time the most successful movie from budget to profit margins yeah. mm. go um and then number two is jason bloom yeah mm-hmm. i love what he's doing he's one of just he's just 
making movies. He's, there's, there's not a lot of bullshit with his stuff. And occasionally he'll make something like The Gallows, which is crap. But then he makes he makes The Gallows, no one but he makes Get Out. And Get Out is like changing movies. Mm, yeah. Like he and because he makes the shell the gallows, he can make Get Out, and he equally loves both, which I think is really good. And then number one is of course Roger Corman. Yeah, not um, a surprise. You cannot talk about B movies without this guy he is because the king he's, of the bees. He is, and he's so he's responsible, and not even just B like, movies. Not, not, not like the bees. It's like the bees. It's like, the bees. It's like in, <laughs> in in Jupiter ascending, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where yeah. they're like. Bees respond to royalty or something. Jupiter Ascending was originally about Roger Corman, and they they were like, "It's too obvious." And they couldn't cast Roger Corman, so they cast Mila Kunis. Yes, Mila Kunis Um, is actually meant to be Roger Corman. Uh, I can see that. Yeah, they're doing a biopic for Roger Corman. It stars Mila Kunis. I'd watch. I genuinely, I'd watch the shit out of it. But um, he's responsible for. Without him, we wouldn't have James Cameron, Peter Bogdanovich, Francis Ford Coppola, Jonathan Demme, Curtis Hanson, Ron Howard, John Sayles, and Martin Scorsese. Joe Dante as well. Joe I Dante, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's responsible for all of Jack them. Nicholson. Yes, he, yes. Yeah. He made well, Jack Nicholson. I think happen. nowadays we could do without Jack <laughs> Nicholson, but <laughs> that was a time where he was he was all right. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. So, who do we want to go? Do we want to go to, uh, Tim? I was about to Tommy. I was I like looked at the name Tommy. So, Tim, what are your <laughs> top five? <laughs> I could be Tommy Wiseau. I could do it. Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> what a crazy story. Don't touch me, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got for mine, uh, my number five is Russ Meyer. He, yes. He made... Uh, Faster fast- Pussycat, kill, kill. That's yes. the one. He wrote, he wrote that with Roger Ebert, didn't he? Uh, no, he wrote uh, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Oh, that's with, right, that's right. With... Uh, Roger Ebert, yeah. uh, it's he's amazing. Basically, he just he want his actresses. His only qualifiers they have to have big tits, <laughs> <laughs> and oh. you, but they're really amazing movies. And Faster Pussycat Kill Kill has some great um, stunts throughout it. Lots of really good driving. Uh, so that was my number five. Uh, number four is an actress, uh, Pam Greer. Oh, oh, yes. oh my God! Yes, uh, she's Foxy Brown, and yeah. that is a fucking amazing Coffee. film. Coffee, Coffee is a color. <laughs> it's, her movies are so great. Even the um, Eddie Romero ones that she made in Thailand, which was um, she was a huge inspiration on Tarantino. It's why there's like a whole yeah. bit in the middle of Reservoir Dogs about Pam Greer. Yeah, in yeah. the car, the scene in the car. And then she was in Jackie Brown as yeah. well. Like, that's one of the things I like to do. Quentin Jackie. Has she done anything since? Uh, yeah, she's appeared in a few little things. I can't think of them off the top of my head because just every time I think of. Uh, Pam Greer, I just get distracted and go, Foxy Brown. Which is <laughs> such a great movie. Like, I need pulls, to watch that one. It, oh, you, come over and we'll do, we'll do a whole session. Yes. You can come and see this. We should get it, Pam Greer for our film. Yeah. <laughs> Does an amazing scene where we'll she pulls out a, um, a gun from her afro. It's brilliant. It's <laughs> so good. After tossing um, a woman the uh, cut off testicles of her lover <laughs> in a jar, <laughs> it is Amazing, Pam and Pam Greer is just so. Oh, she's just. <laughs> oh, what was the other one? Uh, she did a really good one in Indonesia. There was a lot of really good B movies there. Uh, she did one with, I think his name was Eddie Marrero. I think it was Re- Eddie Romero, something like that. Uh, called uh, Black Mama, White Mama. 
<laughs> and it is basically, um, what's that Sydney Poitier film where he's handcuffed to a white guy? Um, oh, I have no idea. I can't idea. think of what it was. It's Oscar winning and everything, but it's an exploitation version of that. Oh, wow. Oh, it's, and it's two women, obviously. Yeah, two women. Black mama and white mama. Oh, my God. <laughs> and big mama. <laughs> that would be a movie. Oh. Uh, number three, John Waters. Yes. Oh, how do I not have John Waters? Yeah. I was introduced to the term felching through John Waters. <laughs> uh, uh, which movie was that? No, I, I found it because there's a documentary called This Film Is Not Yet Rated. Oh, which is have you not seen it? I haven't seen it. No, what, this is that's your this, kind. It's a documentary. It's a documentary about the American rating system, but John oh. Waters features heavily in it, and he talks of about felching, he and he just explains straight up what felching was. I'm <laughs> like, ah, because I was like 16 at the time, hadn't been exposed to that. I'm like, ah, okay. Did you try it later? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is my oh. homework. <laughs> oh my god! He, but yeah, he is fantastic. He just. Pink flamingos. I yeah. I remember actually. I knew the final scene was coming with the dog, the, with yeah. the dog shit, and still I I gagged. Oh. I still gagged watching it. It was just that's the key he, to a good John Waters. Yeah. Film. If I don't gag in a John Waters, that's why I didn't like Cry Baby as much. I was like, mm. I didn't even gag in this movie. Not even when the baby flew out from uh, Ricky no, Lake. I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be like a laugh gag. Like, <laughs> that's what I need. And yeah, he also did his own tingler with the uh, Smallovision for yes, polyester. I believe, didn't they do a re-release of that with the card on Blu-ray? A very limited. Oh yeah, my yeah. God. With the, with the Smellovision card. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if anyone would use it because it's just, uh, it's just a collector's item. You can't, yeah. you, you can't ruin it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So number two is... I've got to read the names again. Um, Menahem Golan and Yoram Globus. These are the guys behind Canon Films. Oh, excellent. Cool. The 80s, they made a lot of schlock. Uh, I believe um, Golan, I had to look there. That, that's what the long pause was. He directed a great movie called The Apple. And it the was Apple. The Apple. It is trying to pick up on the whole. Um, Xanadu, um, sort of Phantom of the Paradise, sort oh, yeah, of yeah. 80s rock musical thing. And they gave out free vinyl soundtracks to a screening and oh, wow. did all this press. It was meant to be a big high-budget movie. And it just went down like a lead balloon. It just... <laughs> I've never heard that got, expression before. <laughs> it's just, just like... Everyone just got their copies of the soundtrack and just threw them at the screen. Oh it my became, god! Just became a mini riot. It's a great movie. It's terrible, but it's great. And behind, being behind Canon Films, they made a lot of great movies. Uh, they pretty much made Chuck Norris. Yeah. Oh wow! And uh, like, I think they were behind the Octagon. I'm pretty sure. Um, and uh, Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, <laughs> Dolph Lundgren in a way because they did He-Man, which was uh, Masters of the Universe, which is such a great movie, nice. which also had Courtney Cox. Really? Yeah, Courtney Cox oh, is yeah. a teenager. <laughs> uh, they also did Superman 4, didn't they? Superman 4, Quest the for Peace. The best Superman, The best obviously. one. With, uh, I think, um, oh, what was Chris, 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 Chris. Um, Christopher Reeve. Christopher Reeve. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> his thing was, uh, yeah, he wouldn't do it unless uh, he could talk about Nuclear, Nuclear war, yeah. yeah. So it's just so many great movies, and then my number one was also Roger Corman because yeah, he's the king. Be. He's the yeah. king. 
Um, okay, I'll go next Chance. because you were all looking at me. Um, so, uh, for my honorable mentions, uh, uh, no, actually, it's number five. N- number five, because my honorable mention was just going to be Rowdy Roddy Piper. I mean, <laughs> just yeah. so much about everything he does. And I found like even more low budget films that he did like near the end of his life. And they're so. Ah, oh, I love that man. Um, but anyway, I've never watched wrestling. I kind of want to get into wrestling because of him, but yeah, <laughs> yeah no. Nah, he nah, got I me won. into chewing gum. Yeah. Uh, he, 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 he got me into kicking ass. Oh. Uh, because I was all out of bubble gum. Because uh, <laughs> I was eating it. <laughs> the chewing gum, not the ass. <laughs> anyway, so my, uh, my number five is, uh, it's like pretty much every great filmmaker we know who started in B-movies. People like James Gunn, Peter Jackson, Sam Raimi, the Spearig brothers, all these people who... They, they made great B-movies where you can see the craft, you can see everything in this lower budget and you can see that transformation as they went into the higher budget. Um, but I go into that like every freaking episode. Number four is James <laughs> Nguyen, uh, the director and writer of Birdemic. Just because yeah. he has this amazing sense of no self-awareness whatsoever. (laughs) And he has literally made four movies and they're all the exact same plot, but with a different sci-fi twist. Mm. So it's about some guy who works at some job who meets a girl who can't be with her because the world's ending or something. He keeps on making the same movie. He doesn't seem to realize. (laughs) And all of his interviews are so sad, (laughs) but so... Just amazing. Uh, up next, I've got number three, Lloyd Kaufman. Yeah. Who, uh, oh, yeah. Troma. Yeah. Troma uh, films, um, mainly because of James Gunn, but also because just he's a very interesting guy. Mm. He, uh, he he made a uh, filmmaking book, I believe, recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I heard about it. Oh, what was the it fuck recently? Was it Because I feel like I read oh, it. It's probably a while back. Um, but yeah, he's a really inspirational character. And same reason why number two is Roger Corman. Both of those guys pretty much capitalized on making B-movies, cheap, schlocky movies, but not in the way that The Asylum does it. The Asylum does it and makes bad movies, whereas I think what these guys do is they have a small budget and they do more than what The Asylum does now with their small budgets. Yeah. They do is, some very visionary stuff with uh, special effects as well. Right? Um, hell, He-Man, uh, like not Superman 4, but there was stuff in He-Man <laughs> where I was like, holy shit, this is Canon Pictures. Mm, yeah. Uh, that's what I, I was going to have Canon in there as well, but <laughs> couldn't, I, I couldn't pronounce those names. Fuck yeah. that. <laughs> and number one is, of course, Bruce Campbell. Groovy. Why yeah. wouldn't it be? Uh, Evil Dead, I was brought up on it. Evil Dead's one of the reasons I'm into filmmaking. Then even like he's made his own B movies. He's made uh, My Name is Bruce. Yeah, I remember uh, that one. Great movie. He made a, he wrote, oh, I think he just directed uh, The Man with Two Brains, which I bought in a double pack with My Name is Bruce and Alien Apocalypse, which came out the same time and I watched it and it's just hilarious. Maniac Cop as well. Maniac Cop is fantastic. So good. What the fuck's the guy's name with the big jaw? The I don't know, but in he's Samurai in Samurai Cop. Cop yeah, yeah um, he, he's in a lot. He's also another great like B movie. He, he, he's in Hell Comes to Frog Down 2. Uh, I didn't replaced, know there was a sequel to Frog Down. There are three of them. There's there, three. There's, Technically there's four. 
What? Yeah. Uh, what do you mean technically? Long. Three and four are the same movie, but edited differently because the guy who makes them <laughs> is a Zen filmmaker where he. Oh, is that the same? That's ruined my points. Oh, oh, okay, sorry. No, uh, going on to Josh. Uh, that's my, oh, yeah, I did number we'll one. Get on to Zen filmmaking soon. Oh, please tell me you go on to Zen filmmaking. A little bit. <laughs> yes. Um, so my list is, uh, before I get started, honorable mentions, Bella Lugosi. Oh, yeah, of course. Who, you know, started so high kind of and then went and became part of Edward's little company and <laughs> started wrestling. Pull the string! Pull the string! Yeah, Boris Karloff is a cocksucker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, dear, that was... Oh. <laughs> Anyway, so number five is uh, Sam Raimi. Like mm. Bruce Campbell, uh, goddamn, Evil Dead like inspired me so much. Just like watching that, just like those, those effects, like just touch my heart. And I'm just like, oh my God, how do they do that? It's so fun. And Sam Raimi just like what he's brought to like even his bigger budget stuff like Spider-Man or like even uh, Drag Me to Hell, which is like a nice Amazing. return. Amazing. love Drag Amazing. Me to Hell. Just, oh, it just touched me. So... Um, number four would be Amir Chauvin, who is yes uh, samurai cop fame. You most know he's an Iranian director who apparently studied theater as well. But he's like ridiculously bad Z grade films um, that all center kind of parroting like buddy cop movies and everything. Mm. That's like he's. I don't think it was parroting. Called, it was he was legitimately trying to. He was make. living them. He's like yeah. kind of trying to. Live them. Gotta like, say, the buddy in um, in Samurai Cop is amazing. He oh, does yeah, some the, great, the reaction shots. Yeah, great like, reaction shots. I, I was him. about to do those reaction shots for the audience, and then I realized it's all just facial expressions, and they yeah. wouldn't get it. He's like, ooh. Yeah, you can make so, some noise. He's like, ooh. So he'll does say he something. Samurai noises? Cop will say something to a girl, and then uh, the girl will do a really good zinger slapping him back, but and he's even like, Even greater, though, they're not even filmed. At the location, they filmed in Amir's office. Yeah. Like later <laughs> you on. You can tell. Yeah. Um, one thing I'd like to point out with that, have you noticed how Amir's films progressively get worse throughout his career? Like well, they get, yeah. I don't know if they get lower budget, but like his earlier work is like, uh, I quote unquote, better, higher yeah. quality than Samurai. Well, they all look high school-esque and then they get like worse <laughs> yeah. too. Um, yeah, and number three, uh, because we got to talk about Hammer Horror in some sense. Um, Peter yes. Cushing, yeah. who most people, uh, a lot of people yeah. know from wait, 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 wait. CGI Peter Cushing or real Peter Cushing, <laughs> not the fake CGI. I don't think Hammer Pictures could afford a CGI. <laughs> he would Cushing. take over and direct. All did, you, did you? Was there was, there was a tweet about how like it, CGI he's taking Peter, over Disney? He's directing he's everything. Disney. <laughs> 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 become self aware. I can't wait to see him in Van Helsing again. <laughs> oh my god! Um, yeah, Peter uh, Cushing, who starred as like Van Helsing and like like so many of the Hammer horrors, he became like a staple along with Christopher Lee, who could, we could also mention. Uh, he kind of became the face of Hammer Horror and just like brought that sort of like charm to it, and which we all agree, like Hammer Horror is like the B side to like the big Universal Monsters pictures. Well, well, the Universal Monster pictures came before Hammer, didn't it? Hammer was yeah, like so kind they're of like remakes, technically that was seventies and eighties. Yeah, I, know, I like the Hammer ones a lot more actually. Uh, There's just something very English and gothic about them. Yeah. It's just... just All filmed at Pinewood, just like shoved in the corner. (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, and then your next one? My next one would be Vincent Price, who's also yes. yep. who we know from uh, Thriller, the music video, like doing that. <laughs> <laughs> he's also the other staple of horror um, of the 50s and everything that we can all sort of attribute to B-movie styles. 
number two, I believe I will. My list is long. I'm going to mention Tommy Wiseau, who <laughs> yep. or no one love as um, he's still, <laughs> yeah Tommy Tommy, um, and he's still prevalent today. He I actually saw like a Facebook video today. He's just like I'm screening the room across America, and I hope we all love love each other. You can talk about bad about the room, but just don't hurt each other. Okay, goodbye. Thank you. Because <laughs> it's actually like getting a legitimate wide release. Across, now, the, yeah. across, yeah, America, across America. Wow. Thousands of screens. I don't know that yeah. that's going to work for them because no, the midnight thing, the one off once a month kind of thing, tends to, is what draws the audience. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting. Those are amazing and definitely things to go to. Just spoons flying at the screen, people running in the Would aisles. They'd be able to do before? that in a wide release, though. Yeah. yeah well, the poor, sin- the poor ushers will have to clean up. Yeah. <laughs> Feel sorry yeah, especially because it's like a massive theater, it's like chains. Because like, like yeah, in the ones. midnight ones, a it's like once a month or mm-hmm. once a week or whatever. But b the the, the staff know what they're getting into. But, and can you <laughs> yeah. imagine the people who show up and the people who don't go to movies knowing what they're going to see? They just oh, that's on at this time. Let's go to that one. They walk in and they will not be prepared for it. The, no, I'm okay with that. I hope that'd that be happens. The best thing ever, wouldn't it? <laughs> you think of everything. <laughs> <laughs> that was your number two. Or your number one. Yeah, it was number two. So my number one is the god tier, Neil Breen. <laughs> the Breenius yeah. of Neil Breen. Yeah, the tuna eating uh, <laughs> Jesus hot deity, the greatest hacker, government agent, secret agent, mastermind of the entire world who can poison the water supply and like run us all to the ground from Las oh Vegas. So. What a Tinder profile. <laughs> Have How you many, seen any of Neil Breen's stuff? I haven't stuff? actually. I mean, they've been on my list because... Chance is the one that keeps on telling me to go, go watch Neil Tim, Breen. And then I'm like, you go can, watch the mo- stack of movies I gave you. Tim, yeah. you can get all his movies and he'll send them to you and he'll sign the discs. Really? Yeah. Wow. And they bet they literally like burnt them onto like dodgy buy at the shop DVDs. Yeah. It's that's fantastic. awesome. I love that. That's one thing I love about these sorts of filmmakers. They're very personal. Like um, Tommy Wiseau, you can buy underwear from him. Like that's his big thing. It, what? It, yeah. My, I've got an editor at one of the magazines I write for and- Tommy Wiseau, uh, my editor bought the underwear. He said, I was like, are they any good? And it's like, no, they're not. But he did get a, um, a signed uh, autograph uh, picture from Tommy Wiseau. Oh, my God. I was like, love from Tommy. Oh. <laughs> I love that they're so personal to their fans now. It's great. Well, I mean, but everyone has to do that now with yeah. the marketing. Otherwise, no one knows. But anyway, that that wraps up this wonderful episode. Thank you for coming on, Tim. It was very great to have you on. I think you're like one of the only people who's seen more movies than I have. (laughs) (laughs) Albeit very different kinds of movies. I wrote down Black Devil Doll from Hell. (laughs) I'm gonna I wanna watch that one. Yeah. It's it's interesting. It's if Katie hasn't seen it, Katie's another friend of ours who loves black exploitation films. We should watch that she with her. She does not seem like the kind of person to love black exploitation. That's what makes it so good. <laughs> How can you not She's like, like them? I mean, Shaft, school Shaft in Africa. Oh my god. Anyway, so uh, if you like this, uh, feel free to subscribe. We're on iTunes and Stitcher. You can find us on Facebook at the Mighty Motion Picture Rangers, and we're on Twitter and Instagram at Picture Rangers. You can find me at Shane M underscore Anderson on Twitter. Uh, Tim, what, what's your socials? Uh, my socials is uh, Twitter, which is at TimBurns89. Burns is B-Y-R-N-E-S. 89. Oh, you're born 1989. Yeah. No, now no, we no, know no. how old that is. mystery solved. <laughs> <laughs> 
1889, right? It's yeah. 1889. Of yeah. course. If you look at my teeth, you can tell they're awful. <laughs> I thought they were going to be like sharp and pointy and covered in blood. Nah, nah, just gingivitis. Oh, gingivitis. <laughs> and what about Comedy Commentary Cinema? When's the Comedy next Commentary one? Cinema? Well, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, our next one is... February, uh, I should know this date by now. While I'm looking for the date, I'm going to say all the other stuff about it because we're going to be screening a film by a great cult filmmaker from the 80s named Andy Sedaris. Yes. Uh, We've shown one of his films before. It was called... uh, um, uh, Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Some people might know it as from a YouTube clip that did the rounds for a while where two guys are having a really intense frisbee throwing competition <laughs> and then he pulls out one with razor blades and kills the other guy. Uh, it's just insane. So the film that we're showing is called Malibu Express. It's, uh, what can I say about it? Well, the poster for it at the time was like featuring five Playboy play bunnies, whatever they are. Playboy bunnies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's five of them. Not, not one, not two, five. Five. So you can find Comedy Commentary Cinema on Facebook just at, you search Comedy Commentary Cinema. That's Is that the it, page? Yeah. Yep. So they'll have a page there and they'll, they post events. I follow them myself. <laughs> uh, they're very fun events to go to. And have you got a date? Yeah, so yes. February 19th, uh, we'll be having uh, two comedians. Actually, we'll be doing something different. We'll be having returning comedians. That'll probably yeah, I was going to say, I swear. That'll probably, so when this episode comes out, I think that'll be either the week of or the week after this episode so comes out. So book your out, tickets right now. You yeah. may have missed out already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come along. We'll, we'll just squeeze everyone in. It's a film worth it. And these two that we've got, Jasmine Fairbairn and Simone Claire, they are pros. Jazz was on the first night, wasn't Jazz she? Jazz was the very first, one of the very first ones yeah. we've ever had. She did uh, Samurai Cop. And then oh, Simone did uh, APE, Ape, which Ape. was a King Kong knockoff. Nice. Oh, cool. It's going to be a great night. Oh, cool. Very cool. Uh, Chancellor, your socials? Oh, yeah. Uh, You can find me uh, uh, at Chancellor on Twitter, or you cannot follow me on Twitter because I don't do anything on Twitter. And follow me on Instagram instead uh, at at the (laughs) Chancellor. You can follow me on Twitter at that Sundance. KD, which is basically kid, and it's in all caps, but I love you anyway. And I will describe to you what Zen filmmaking is because we skipped that. Oh, quickly. yes. Oh, yeah, we missed Zen film. Oh, okay. I need to do a whole episode on that. Oh, my God. Let's do it. Let's, yeah, let's do it. Let's God. Do it. Oh, uh, okay, so, well, uh, thank you for all for listening. Uh, please subscribe, and we'll see you again next week. Bye, guys. Bye, you. That's Not Kind of Productions podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.